0: What's up, and welcome into part two of our recruiting update. This is the DNBR Rams podcast. I'm Justin Michael, and on part one, we dove into the five most recent verbal commitments for CSU football. The staff continues to kill it. This class continues to become more and more intriguing. But there are a couple of other prospects that I think the Rams have a solid chance of landing. We're going to talk about those guys. I'm going to give a brief update on four or five other local prospects who all have been recruited by CSU, but will be going elsewhere. The debates around local recruiting always get kind of wonky, but I do want to talk about it because I think it's important to point out. The staff is not ignoring Colorado. They are offering the right types of guys, and some of them are coming on board. But like most years, the vast majority of the top 10 prospects in the state, even top 15, top 20, are going to end up at power five schools in other states. And until you start winning, that's probably not going to change. I mean, think about kids that are 18 years old. They have never lived in a time in which CSU and CU were consistently good. It's basically a two-year run under McElwain, and a lot of these guys were too young then to even pay attention and then the rise in 2016 for CU, which was a flash in the pan one year. It's been rough. These prospects don't know what a consistent winner looks like locally. It's crazy to think about, but that's the reality in which we're in. I hope it changes, but until it does, it's hard to fault a lot of these guys for wanting to go to Kansas State and Iowa State and Nebraska and USC, wherever it may be. You guys get the point. We'll dive into that. At the end, we're going to wrap up with my top 10 songs by George Strait. It is the offseason, so we're going to have some fun. He was recently in Denver. A lot of the CSU staff attended that show, including Jay Norvell, who I have found out is a big George Strait fan, my kind of guy. But real quick, do want to shout out the partners, our friends over at Saturday Neon. Saturday Neon is a company started by two friends, former college roommates. They make officially licensed collegiate logo LED neon signs. That's a mouthful to say, but you're going to absolutely love these signs. They're made with high-quality materials. They're backed by a two-year warranty. Shipped with everything you need to mount, power, and dim, so every sign is easy to install and operate. They're officially licensed for 19 schools, including CSU, Alabama, CU if you want it. But these are great for offices, man caves, dorm rooms, basements, bar areas, you name it. Could make a great birthday or Father's Day gift. Go to SaturdayNeon.com, use the code DNVR for 10% off your order, free shipping for orders over $200. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted to be healthier. I wanted to have a better gut health, especially. That's something I've had issues with my entire life. I'm not a big vitamin pill type guy. If I have to take 14 different things, there's no way I'm going to keep up with it. And that's why AG1 is perfect for me. I typically drink it in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon after my workout. It just makes me feel generally healthier. Like I can feel it in my skin. The way I'd best describe it is like when you're dehydrated and your body's just craving water and you take it and just immediately feel nourished and better. AG1's really similar. Your body is craving the nutrients it needs. This is a great way to get it. We're obviously all sports fans, great athletes. They have one thing in common. They take care of themselves. You guys got to take care of yourselves too. And with every serving, you're setting yourself up for success. 75 high quality ingredients that give you key daily nutrients. It supports energy, focus, strength, clarity. It's just a micro habit that you can do every day to make yourself just a little bit better. It's cost effective, less than $3 a day, pretty good if you ask me, especially if you're going out spending, you know, 6-7 dollars on coffee every day. So check it out. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1. Get a free 1-year supply of vitamin D and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com/rams. That's drinkag1.com/rams. Check it out. Cool, cool, cool. So part one, we talked about the five most recent verbal commits, the guys that are officially on board or enough to at least verbally commit. I guess nothing is official until you put pen to paper. And even then in the transfer portal era, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Guys show up, they don't like it and before spring ball or out of town. But these are three players that have been on campus that I... Fully expect to commit again. I like to let these guys announce on their own terms, so you know I'm I'm not trying to steal their moment or anything like that. But we'll start with Jordan Ross, six foot, 175 pound receiver out of Warren High School in Downey, California, listed as a four star composite prospect on 247 Sports, and it's seemingly down to CSU and Michigan State for him. He did take an unofficial visit to both Michigan State and Michigan earlier this summer. Visited CSU on an official capacity this past weekend. And based on everything that I've heard from those inside the program, it went really well. He has a great relationship with Chad Savage, wide receiver coach slash recruiting coordinator. That's who's been the the main recruiter for him. Though anytime you have a player like this, it's going to be a full staff effort. Certainly going to try and get him some significant face time with Jay Norvell, even Matt Mummy. From what I've been able to gather, though, the official visit went really well for Jordan Ross. Both he and his family had a really good time, liked what the coaches were selling, and we'll find out on Friday whether he wants to be a Ram or not. I, My gut is that he will commit to CSU on Friday. If we're going old school 247 approach, that would be my crystal ball projection or whatever. Obviously, things can change in a hurry. When you're dealing with teenagers, trying to make the biggest decisions of their life, it's not uncommon for them to have second thoughts, for them to change their minds. We see it all the time. But I do know that the official visit went well. I know that he has a great relationship with this staff, and I know that he really likes CSU. So all those are really good signs, in my opinion. The fact that the family seems to really like CSU, that's important as well. You always got to get mom on board. And from what I've heard... They're picking up what Norvell and Savage and company are throwing down. Not going to take a ton of time here to talk about Jordan Ross's game again. I raved about him for 10 minutes the other day. But this is a four-down type receiver, the kind of guy that could play anywhere in the country. He's got burner speed, good route runner, soft hands. He's a major threat in the vertical game. He can beat you over the top. He's effective in the screen game, super elusive, and has the ideal lateral agility that you're looking for, but also demonstrates patience and the ability to let the play develop, which that's a huge problem at the high school level. Guys, they're good enough athletes, they just get impatient, and they run into the back of their blockers. You don't see any of that from Ross, though. He's effective as a return man. I mean, the options are endless. He's just one of those guys you want to get the ball in his hands. He was limited a little bit by injury last year. He broke his collarbone early in the year, so maybe that's why... Uh, His recruiting died down slightly from some of these bigger programs, but even so still managed to finish with 25 catches for 418 yards and six touchdowns. If he's putting up that type of production, not even at 100%, imagine what he's going to do in an offense that favors the vertical passing game and is going to get him all kinds of targets. I mean, he could be a stud, an absolute stud. Wish him well, no matter where he ends up, but Really hoping it's CSU. Again, that's going to be June 30th. My projection is that he will commit to CSU on Friday. Uh, another guy that I expect to commit this week, he posted on Twitter that he'll be making his decision, or he'll be announcing his decision, I should say, is a six foot 210 running back, Jalen Dupree, at a Malvern high school in Arkansas a guy that rushed for just under 3,000 yards this past season, 301 carries for 2,828 yards. That's good for 9.4 yards per carry. He had 41 touchdowns, 57 touchdowns over the last two years, and just under 4,500 rushing yards. Just absurd type production. He visited CSU a couple weeks back. I think he's going to commit as well. Again, we'll have to see. 247 doesn't even have CSU listed for him. Um, They have Kansas State and Arkansas State as the teams that are hot on him. Also has been offered by Boston College, Purdue, Liberty, UNLV, Air Force, Army, to name a few. And watching this guy on huddle, it's kind of easy to see why. It feels like every single carry is him just breaking off a 60-plus yard run, has great vision between the tackles, quick feet, a very shifty laterally but doesn't try and get too cute. It's a lot of one cut and then putting his foot in the ground and getting uphill, which you love to see. You want guys to be able to break tackles. You want them to be able to make people miss in the open field, but you also don't want a dude that's just dancing back there and really just using a whole lot of unnecessary movement. And that's what's great about Dupree. It's all very calculated, lets his blockers develop, hits the hole hard maybe makes that one cut to make the linebacker miss. And then if he gets to that second level, look out, he's gone. He's a home run hitter and not a guy that's just barely getting it out of the park. He's Barry Bonds hitting it into the cove. You know, I'm unsurprised to see that Kansas State is firmly in the mix here because when I was watching him, he reminded me a little bit of Darren Sproles and Deuce Vaughn, a couple of smaller backs that have come through there over the years, do pretty much thicker than either of those guys and taller. But just with the way he's so smooth, particularly being able to go from full stride, make that cut, and then hit full speed again, not a lot of guys are, are that, that fluid. And to see the type of athleticism that he has, it's really exciting. It reminds me of Damian Henderson in the last class, Justin Marshall as well out of Merrillville, Indiana. These aren't the type of running backs at the D1 level that you're probably going to give the ball 30-plus times to. I mean, there's really very few guys that are like that in the modern game anyways. But they're the type of players that anytime the ball is in their hand, something special can happen. And there is a lot to like about Jalen Dupree's game. Again, he will be announcing his decision 9 a.m. on the 30th. I'm assuming that's Eastern time. But like Jordan Ross, I am predicting... Dupree will commit to CSU on Friday. Finally, we have Charlie Eckhart. He's a 6'2", 190-pound athlete out of Arapahoe High School, local prospect. He is being recruited to play defensive back at CSU, currently a corner and wide receiver in football, also participates in track and field, and is a starter on the basketball team, so a really athletic individual. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of Silas Evans last year with With just being at a smaller program, I I feel like if he played at a bigger school, he would have more interest than he did. Uh, Evans did have a couple of P5 offers, but I mean, when you look at a guy like Eckhart who just does everything for his team, he had 19 carries for 81 yards last year. He had 38 receptions for 540 yards and four touchdowns on the defensive side. He had 71 total tackles, 28 of which were solo. He averaged six and a half tackles per game. Eckhart was really impactful in pass coverage, had two interceptions, but eleven pass deflections. He's a rangy safety and he's able to cover a lot of ground out there, shows good instincts, good ball skills, and that's significant production, especially in Colorado. you know you're just you're not going to be facing that many offenses that are throwing the ball 40 times a game. As far as what stands out on Huddle, aside from some of the stuff I've already talked about, I like his physicality. he's a guy that Definitely lays the wood a little bit. Reminds me of watching Henry Blackburn at Fairview. And I think he's a really intriguing local prospect. I do expect him to commit to CSU. I don't have a timetable or or a date or anything like that, but I've heard his visit went well as well. So definitely keep an eye on him as well as Jordan Ross and Jalen Dupree. I fully expect all three of those guys to be a part of the 2024 class. And I'm just continually impressed with the recruiting efforts from this staff. We're seeing them grind, and we're seeing the benefits of that. Really makes you realize how little some of the previous regimes were doing, especially at the end of the Bobo era and then throughout the Adazio era. Now, I I know that COVID was a major factor with him, and that definitely threw a wrench in things, to be fair. Tough to establish the necessary relationships when you're not able to go out on the road and all these things that I've been hyping this staff for. They weren't able to do that the first year, under Adazio at least. So just being fair, I do want to point that out. But it's just really nice to finally see a coaching staff take advantage of these resources and get some of these big-time prospects from the West Coast on campus. And once you get them on campus, you've got a good chance to land them. But if you never throw your hat in the ring because you just assume they're going to go somewhere else, you never even try to establish those relationships, that's not going to happen. And it really just all comes down to effort. So I just I want to shout out Chad Savage. I want to shout out this entire recruiting staff. It it takes a village, but I see you. I see what you're doing, and it's making an effort. Um, we're gonna move on. We're gonna wrap up with the top ten George Strait songs. It is the off season after all. Uh, a couple of local guys though that got away. Uh, offensive tackle Max Perot at a Cherry Creek recently committed to Purdue. Not surprised there. Uh, also at a Cherry Creek, AJ Burton. He will be going to Iowa State. Uh, Interior offensive lineman landed Davidson out of Broomfield. He is going to Nebraska. CSU was in the mix there. Uh, Finally, this one probably hurts the most because I would say CSU had the most realistic opportunity to land this guy. But uh, Giovanni Panazzo talked about him uh, about a month ago. Really intriguing up-and-coming offensive lineman out of A West. He ends up at Wyoming. And him and Jordan Ochoa, those are probably the two local prospects in this 2024 cycle that you hate to see land in Laramie. But it does feel like finally there are less local guys slipping through the cracks than there used to be in in years past. Craig Bull, great coach, great recruiter, really does a great job out here. But I do think his job is going to be just a little bit tougher now with Jay Norvell in town. The vibes in Fort Collins pretty dang good right now. And I would say that CSU's coolness factor has gone up significantly. I mean, we just we have a staff of young guys that players want to be around, and I think, I think that's huge. All right, that's it as far as the recruiting update goes. Uh, again, we're going to wrap up here just with my top 10 George Strait songs inspired by his recent show in Denver. Jay was there, big George Strait fan, looking forward to chopping it up with him, asking him about that show uh, once fall camp begins. But when you get hurt, Bax & Shanker is here to help. Bax & Shanker wins for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They are free until they win money in your case. No upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Bax & Shanker's won over $1 billion for their clients. Now with even more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Englewood, and Fort Collins. Bax & Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bax & Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault. Car accident, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks, they can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax & Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax & Shanker wins. Also, shout out to FOCO, a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. They have some of the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's spring. It's baseball. Now's the perfect time to get hooked up with a straw hat. If you want uh, a comfy Aloha shirt, shout out Mike Brohard, uh, a polo, whatever you want, Foco has it for you. They've hooked us up with all kinds of sweet pieces for our sets in studio. Foco always has our back for Colorado sports. They're going to have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description for all non-presale items. Use the promo code DNVR for 10% off your order. All right. So it is the middle of summer after all, fairly dead outside of recruiting news. So I figured we could have some fun, dive into, in my opinion, the discography of the greatest country artist of all time. That's no disrespect to any of the greats that came before. I am a massive Willie Nelson fan. I think he is one of the top five songwriters to ever live, massively underappreciated for his skills on the guitar. I'm a big Johnny Cash fan. I love Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, you name it. But this run that George Strait has been on for close to 50 years is just unprecedented. And when you look at the hits that he's had, it's it's tough to argue against. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. I would love to hear your input, your thoughts on some of this. Hopefully respectfully and calmly. It's not that deep if you disagree with me. But uh, without further ado, I guess let's just jump right into it. At number 10, I go Troubadour, which was released in 2008. That was a big single. The title of what was a really great album as well. What always stood out to me about that one is that was George, you know, 40 years into his career being like, hell yeah, I still got it, baby. His fastball maybe wasn't what it used to be, but his stuff was still much better than what the vast majority of anybody else was putting out there. And that album still holds up really well. A lot of songs I like a lot on there, Brothers of the Highway, House of Cash, uh, Make Her Fall in Love With Me song. It's, it's a really good album. Moving on to number nine, we're going early 2000s, the ballad era for George Strait. And uh, we're going Run, which came out in 2001. Just one of those songs where no matter what I'm doing, no matter where I am, I have to sing along. It just hits every single time. Fortunately for all of you, not going to subject your ears to me trying to sing that ballad, but it's one, if I got a couple beers in me, look out, because I'm singing loud and I'm singing proud. (laughs) Um, Number eight, another modern one, uh, 2005, Ready for the End of the World. To me, this is just a perfect example of what I love about country music. It tells the the human life, and it's something that we can all relate to. This is a really sad song. It's about a man who knows his relationship is all but done. He's bracing for the end of the world. He bought a case of Jack, boxed out of Merle, and his world may be collapsing around him, but, hey, he's going to be ready for it. That's just classic country music, man. Um, number seven, going back to the mid-'90s, I can still make Cheyenne. This one, I'm already a little hesitant about probably should have been higher on the list. Like if you can hear that chorus and you don't want to sing along, I'm probably not going to want to have a beer with you because about halfway through that song, I'm standing on the table and probably getting weird with it. Just the classic cowboy song about the rodeo man who's away from his family too long and finally blew it. And in the end, you know, as much as he's going to miss that girl, his only true love is the rodeo and, I don't know. It's it's a bit corny. 90s music in general kind of leaned into the cornball aspect, uh, but I, it, I just love it. Anyways, at number six from the Pure Country soundtrack, that movie actually holds up pretty well. If you've never heard of it, George Strait plays this Fictional character Dusty, and he becomes a stadium country superstar that just becomes disillusioned with the entire process. Hates all the lights and the Hollywood aspect of it. Just wants to be an old school cowboy out there with his guitar. Again, very '90s country, corny, but it, it was awesome. And the soundtrack absolutely kicks ass. Um, really famous. I cross my heart is from that. But I I love the King of Broken Hearts because it reminds me of some of the 80s George Strait that I'm going to talk about here coming up. Just a great, great album. If nothing else, listen to the Pure Country album, but I I recommend watching the movie too. I believe it's on HBO Max right now. Um, at number five, Carry in Your Love With Me. You can give me crap for it, say it's a corny song. I get it. It definitely is, but it's just one of those that if I hear it, I'm going to stop and listen to the rest of it every single time. And as somebody whose childhood was mostly, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, like it it just it makes me nostalgic. That's the George Strait I would ride around in the backseat singing every word to while my parents were up front. Um, all right, the top four, you could really put these in any order, but I've got a number four, You Look So Good in Love, which came out in 1983. This is the epitome of country music, singing about the one that got away. And just hearing the rawness, the emotion in George Strait's voice, obviously a very young George Strait, that's as good as it gets. And that's what makes me especially frustrated when I turn on country radio today and just hear the absolute dog shit that they play. No offense if you like any of these modern artists, you know, there are songs I hear that are that are okay. But the fact that a guy like Morgan Whalen's the biggest country artist in the world right now. That's not country music. It's music for people that want to put on cowboy boots once a year and go to country jam and play make believe. Tell us how you really feel, J. Mike. (laughs) All right. Number three, oceanfront property. I had this at one to start and I really struggle with these top four. I really think you could put them in any type of order and I would agree with you. But to me, when I think of this song, I think of being in a backyard. Maybe the grill is going. Everybody's hanging out, having a good time. Everybody's just kind of singing along. It's a classic. As are the final two. Drumroll, please. At number two, I'm going The Cowboy Rides Away. It's a beautifully written song, an epic chorus, and it's just a young George Strait in his bag, absolutely flexing. Finally, at number one, I went Amarillo by morning. I think there's an argument that this is one of the greatest country songs ever written. It's definitely his most iconic song, I would argue. But I think what's really special about this one is it's just timeless. It would sound as good if you heard it for the first time in 2023 as if you heard it in 1983. And to me, that's a testament to something truly special, that Any type of generation could hear that and be able to appreciate the artistry, be able to appreciate the storytelling, his smooth voice. I love the use of the strings and how it has that old school approach. That's something that's certainly missing in country music today. Steel guitar and strings, baby. Not everything has to be about trucks and Bud Lights over an EDM beat. Anyways, that's my top 10. Obviously, the main focus of this was to give the second part of the recruitment update, but I figured we could have some fun there. I'd love to hear your top 10. Tell me what I got right, what I got wrong. But yeah, that's all we got for today. Tons more content coming later this week. We're going to have some fun guests. Really looking forward to that. But uh, much love, y'all. Would you say if I told you that I could take a bunch of kids from the bottom and bring them the number one in? But what you say if I told you and nobody, then the Brock and sold out crowd? Damn, that shit is crazy. Probably never make it. Were you listening to that right now. I said we on now.